Welcome to r slash pro revenge, where OP sends her awful parents to jail. Our next Reddit post is from Rice Patty Farmer. A little bit of backstory. I'm running a painting business over the summer as a junior in college to pay for school. My prices are pretty fair because I hire college students and I have a deal with Sherwin-Williams as a contractor to get cheaper paint and materials. Anyways, this one potential client, Karen, scheduled an estimate with me about a month and a half ago for an interior bathroom job and a deck stain. I tell her the times I'm available, but she absolutely pushes for a time where I would have to rush over from another job site, do a hurried estimate, then run home to grab a bite of dinner before going to a previously scheduled estimate. I'm a bit miffed, but I said F it. Sales is hard. I should learn how to bend over backwards for clients. So I show up to do the estimate, and the whole time that I'm getting my numbers together, she's talking me down, telling me how if she ran a business like I did, she would be fired from her big shot marketing job immediately, and how I should be dressed better to respect the client. What I did to offend her majesty was I moved her plants to the side to be able to measure the deck better. Also, I came to the estimate in paint-stained clothes because I had to run over directly from another job site. So, I present a price of about 800 bucks, and I offer a 10% discount if she books me today. She says she needs a few days to consider it. Okay, fair enough, right? I'll extend the discount a few days for her. So, I came back a few days later expecting a yes or no answer, and she sits me down and starts to haggle with me. At this point, I'm tired enough already from working in the sun all day and just want some food to stop the rumblies. After I give her another 5% discount just to close the sale, she continues to haggle with me, saying, The highest we can do is 600 When I finally tell her that I can't go any lower on the job or I would actually lose money on it, she tells me that she got an estimate from another local company for 500 bucks and that she wouldn't want me to match it because she wants to support the local community. At this point, I'm exhausted, and my brain is barely keeping me breathing, but that price point just doesn't sound right to me. I calculated my price based on a small profit, labor, and materials. Now, I pay my painters 13 bucks an hour, and I hire college students. So, if the other company is charging way less, they either pay their career painters even less than I do, or the quality of the paint is much lower. So I asked Karen if she remembers what paint the other company said they would use, and she said she doesn't recall. Fair enough, paint names are hard to remember if you don't see them that often. Then I asked if I could see their estimate contract to try to figure out why they were so much cheaper than I was. Karen says that she doesn't have an estimate sheet. Now, this is a big no-no in any contracting business, because you have to keep track of numbers, budgeted hours, etc. At this point, alarm bells are ringing in my head. So, I set a firm amount on the price of the previous estimate with the additional 5% discount, which means that I make a measly 5 bucks per hour that I personally work on the job. Karen finally agrees on the price, saying, It's just $50. I can't see why you can't just give us more of a discount. At my big shot marketing job, I would give the customer a discount without hesitation. Forgetting that, A, that discount would be coming out of a broke college student's pockets, not a corporation. And B, I already told her that I'd only be getting about five bucks per hour on the job, even though she wants to support the local community. She asks if we take credit, but there's a 5% credit card fee, which would come out of my already thin slice of profit, so I ask for a check. She tells me that she uses Chase, which doesn't have a branch near us, and the nearest one is in New York. 
For context, we're like half an hour from Boston, so what? Therefore, she can't use a check because she would have to order the checkbook from New York. I think, okay, fine. I guess some people these days don't have a checkbook. I reiterate that I will lose money on the job at that price point with the 5% fee tacked on and that I can wait until the checkbook arrives. So, I tell her that she can message or call me when the checkbook arrives and I can drive back to collect the deposit and have her sign the contract. On the way out, she tells me the job needs to be finished before a certain date because she was having guests over. I explain to her that once I receive the deposit, I'll lock her in for a power wash of the deck, which needs about a week to dry before we can stain it in one day. She mutters, Ugh, I can find the checkbook by tomorrow. Come on, she just admitted to lying to me about having to order a checkbook from New York. So I say, that's fine. Let me know tomorrow afternoon so I can come by and finalize the contract. When I got home, I decided to search up Chase branches near me on Google because I found it really strange that there wasn't one closer than New York, especially since we were pretty close to Boston. I kid you not, there was a Chase branch 14 minutes from our house. Now I'm pissed. I don't know what else she lied to me about, so I called up my friend whose dad owns the other painting company that she talked about. My friend calls me later that day and says that he never did an estimate with her name or address. I sent her a message over Facebook Messenger and called her out about the Chase branch, the check, and the estimate from the other painting company. She goes off! Here's a few memorable quotes from her rant. You don't have the right to insult me like that. This is just your first year running a business, and I've been working at Big Hotshot Marketing Job for years now. It doesn't matter what I pay you because you're young and money doesn't matter to you right now. And my personal favorite. You people should be grateful that I even pay you $5 for an hour of your work. For context, I'm Chinese. At this point, I'm ready to just block her and go to bed angry, but I have an epiphany and just hear... Big shot marketing job, echoed through my head. I took screenshots of the messages she sent me and slapped them along with a lengthy description of what happened in an email and sent copies to whatever email address I could find associated with that big shot marketing company. I got an email back a couple of days later from a different address than the one I wrote to previously, basically saying, thank you for reaching out to us. This type of behavior is unacceptable, and we'll be conducting an internal investigation into Karen. I'm thrilled by this, but I think to myself, that'll be the last of it, I guess. Just today, I was messaging another old client, and I came across my conversation with Karen. I went to her Facebook profile, and in the intro for her profile, it now says... Works at self-employed. Justice. Down in the comments, we have a similar story from Cray K. My 100% Mexican, brown, short, and amazing mother ran a small 4-10 employee cleaning company out of her living room for 30 years. She easily pulled over $150,000 a year. Sometimes, on great years, it would be 200 k She actually worked in the business, not just ran the company. She did estimates all the time for people, and sometimes she herself cleaned toilets for more than 100 k a year. You would not believe how effing horrid some people were to my mother because she was the help. Most of the time, they were amazing customers, and they had an amazing relationship with my mom. She even attended one customer's funeral because she saw that lady once a week for 20 years. My favorite story is the day that she got off of work early and came home fuming. A client was being horrendous, just like OP's client. 
and my mother was trying to finish the job. But it got to be too much, and she just packed up all the supplies, told the client to go F herself, and left the house. This was before Yelp or the internet was a huge thing. Sometimes, you just gotta fire your clients. Your story made me so happy that you got rid of the trash. I think the even bigger flex would have been for your mom to say, <laughs> you know what, I probably make more money than you anyways. 200k a year is nuts, especially if this was like, what, like 30 years ago or whatever? Like, 200k is probably closer to, I don't know, 250 nowadays, 300 or something. Can you imagine the expression on a stuck-up, upper-middle-class Karen's face when the help tells her that she makes more money than Karen does? Our next Reddit post is from Cynical Altruist. About three years ago, I was in a multi-school academic support network, which had a summer camp. At this camp, I met Kay. Kay was a closeted lesbian and was very scared of us telling her parents due to their extreme political and narcissistic views. I had dealt with this kind of situation a few times before, but not to this extreme of a level. Her parents were so far off the end of the scale, I dared not say anything about politics or religion in fear of starting an inquisition. These people made Westboro Baptist Church look like moderates. To give an example, they had complete control over her phone, emails, physical mail, and pretty much every other route of communication. So, when they decided that one of her friends was too Jewish, they deleted him from her life. They called the program and rearranged her schedule so she would never see him again. Later, we found out that they had filed false anonymous complaints against him so that he wouldn't be invited back. Overnight, they just removed him from her life. And this wasn't even the last kid they did this with. Kay was terrified of her parents, but they owned her. There was no way to escape, short of suddenly becoming an adult. I was seriously worried about her, to the point where I bought her an emergency-only prepaid phone, which I told her to hide. This was, unequivocally, the best decision I've ever made. Fast forward to January. Kay is struggling with the stress of everything, and says something innocent in group chat along the lines of, Good thing I don't have to worry about boys. Suddenly, we stop hearing responses from her. Her cell phone goes offline. We call the parents from our phones, but they don't answer. But they do answer when we call them from other numbers like pay phones. The parents pick up, say that there's no one with that name at this address, then hang up. Her classmates said that she didn't show up for class that day. Alarm bells are going off for everyone. Then I get a phone call from Kay. Please come pick me up. I was kicked out. It's cold. I was the closest to Kay and I had a car, so I was out driving in blowing heavy snow in far below freezing weather. I won't say that rage and panic fueled me, but I will say that it got me there in one piece. I have never, ever driven a car as recklessly, as hard, or as fast as I did that day. When I got there, Kay was huddled under a tarp barefoot in pajamas at the foot of her house's stairs. The parents saw my car and rushed out to scream at me for taking their child away from the path of God and corrupting her with devil-worshipping ideas or some garbage like that. And then the critical sentence. She is not our child anymore. You godless heathen ruined her mind. She's no daughter of ours. Kay, freezing and scared, hides in my car. The parents start to get aggressive and hostile towards me, so I make two things very clear to them. 
1. I'm recording everything they say. I have a camera on my car and my phone. Also, I have a cop waiting for me at the foot of the driveway. I called the cops before I arrived due to not feeling safe. Also, I'm leaving and never coming back, as per their request. Since Kay's not their daughter, she's coming with me. They start screaming at me about how she can be cured by methods that range from dubious to straight-up illegal. By this point, I'm done. I get back in my car while they're screaming at me and head back down the driveway. The cop and I have a short chat, and he recommends that we bring her to the police station ASAP to prevent the parents from saying that I kidnapped her. After a six-hour emergency room visit for Kay's hypothermia and minor frostbite, we arrive at the police station. All of my video and audio recordings are entered into official records, and the officer's dashcam footage and Kay's emergency room report are filed as well. I didn't know it at the time, but all of that would prove to be essential in court later. I book her into a hotel in my town and lawyer up. This lawyer I know specifically deals with cases like hers for free. He is very, very good at it. There was a lot of legalese, and a long process and a lot of angry exchanges that I really didn't understand or participate in, but two years later, she was emancipated. I got to be a witness, and my recording and the emergency room report cinched the case, proving neglect. The parents didn't even try to argue against it, instead using some weird religious law argument. Kay's older half-brother learned what was happening during the first year and supported her financially while she was in school. He hated the parents far more than either of us did. After this, the revenge started, and Kay did not hold back. During proceedings, it was discovered that the parents had been using their kids' social security cards for loans, credit, bank accounts, and other sketchy stuff. They were already going to jail for that, but Kay took it to the next level. One of the things that they had purchased in Kay's name was the father's truck. Kay reported the truck as missing since she was technically an owner of the truck. They pulled the father over and confiscated the truck as stolen because his name was not on the title, the wife's was. When the father tried to prove that it was his, he found that the title for the vehicle had been invalidated because Kay had ordered a new one and donated the vehicle to the fire department for Jaws of Life training. The mother's credit cards were the same, but Kay just canceled all the cards and declared identity theft. This froze some of the mother's bank accounts, which were under Kay's social security number. The family was already in chaos, but Kay cranked it up to 11. Because of her social security number, Kay was listed as the main contact for the family's cell phone and internet plans. She canceled both. She killed all the email accounts in her name that she could access, and she rerouted her mail to her new P.O. box where she may have accidentally forgotten to tell the post office that they should only reroute her mail. She also called in repossessions on everything her parents had bought with a credit card under her social security number. These loans included renovations on the home, so the parents were forced to sell their house. By the time Kay was done, the parents were happy to go to jail for fraud, identity theft, and their other numerous crimes, rather than live on the street. After that, the parents became social pariahs in the town. Stores banned them for their increasingly violent attempts at converting people. People they knew for years turned on them. The father was fired for failing a performance review, and the mother lost her job due to her increased radicalization. In the end, Kay went to live with her half-brother, since he was the closest living relative. 
The parents lost all rights to visitation, as the state nullified their parental rights and gave guardianship to the half-brother, mostly due to criminal charges. But the real revenge might just be that, as the sentencing was carried out, Kay flipped her parents off in front of the judge, and the judge just laughed at the parents' attempt to claim that it was hate speech. Okay, so if we math this out, if she had to be emancipated, that means, I guess the max age that she could have been was 17, but she could have been younger than that. Also, OP said that it took two years, so that means the oldest that she possibly could have been when they kicked her out during a raging blizzard was 15 years old, possibly younger than that. I would guess that since she knew that she was a lesbian, that probably means that it's after puberty. So we're probably looking at like the 12 to 15 year old age range. I'm just guessing here. But yeah, anyone who kicks their, what, 13, 14-year-old daughter out onto the street during a raging blizzard, they deserve to go to jail. That was our slash pro revenge. And if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.